Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Sark can't lose this game. Just can't. Not often where I say you can't lose to Oklahoma. At least where there's not massive stakes on the line. But at this point, to that coach, Brent Venables, who's the worst coach in the Big 12, one of the worst coaching hires that we've seen in recent Big 12 history, Steve Sarkeesian can't afford to lose this game. This is the soft part of a Big 12 schedule. This is the best the conference has been. You got an Oklahoma team with their tail between their legs. You're a touchdown favorite. Then you got Iowa State, who's got all kinds of problems. Their kicker can't make a field goal. And then after that, you're going to have a hell of a stretch at Oklahoma State, Kansas State, TCU, Kansas, who's better than you thought they'd be. A lot of it sparked by the loss last year in Austin. And then you got Baylor. I've been patient with Steve Sarkeesian. This is one you can't lose. You can't lose this one. You just can't. This game, this atmosphere, this environment, a chance to bury Oklahoma, must win. Period. This is a must win. Steve Sarkeesian said this week that this is the most healthy that the ball club's been all season long. Got to win. Got to win. No questions asked. No exceptions. No excuses. You lost the right to have any wiggle room when you lost to Tech. You bury Oklahoma. And you beat their ass by more than the seven points. It's that simple. Now, if they win this game, or, or am I going to crown Steve Sarkeesian the second coming? No. But I do think you could put OU in a bad place. That program's in a lot of trouble. Texas A&M, Texas, they're not going to fall off with these new rules. The NIL, the resources, transfer portal, Whether it's Sarkeesian, whether it's someone else, there's never going to be a situation where the talent is falling off. It's just, it's not possible. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's not frustrating for other schools. But that's just what it is. Oklahoma's in jeopardy of falling off badly. 
very badly because they hired the wrong coach. And I'm not saying they're broke, but they don't have Texas, Texas A&M money. And they got a coach who, quite honestly, is dopey. And I got a lot of Oklahoma people saying, you know, I'm going to keep the receipts. I'm Brent Venables. Keep them. Write them on Sharpie on, on your forehead. Do whatever you got to do. This was a bad hire. This guy's a defensive coordinator. He's not a head coach. This was an insecure hire by Oklahoma. And there were goalposts moving all over the place. There were more goalposts moving in Norman than an old school upset uh, where the goalposts would get ripped down. All of a sudden, I'm hearing, well, we're not tough. We don't have a tough identity, and we need someone who, who, who gets us. What the hell are you? What is this? There's some small-time coaching job where you got to get the people. Lincoln Riley left you for USC. It's one of the best jobs in America. Lincoln Riley got like a $10 million mansion and a pay increase. He gets to live in Southern Los Angeles. There's no shame in that. It's not like he left you for pick a school. He didn't leave you for Michigan State. He left it for USC. Lincoln Riley did a hell of a job. All of a sudden, I'm talking to Oklahoma people that I talked to on the reg that were so high on Lincoln Riley, and they're saying, man, you know, we're just so much better off now without Lincoln Riley. We're better off. Where the hell has that been? I know your boo left you. You don't got to rewrite history. You don't got to all of a sudden say she ain't fine or something like that. We didn't have any toughness. You look pretty damn tough to me. Might have lost a few games and had a little bit of a down year by your standards, but you look pretty good to me. Might have lost in the college football playoff. Looked pretty damn good to me. Because if you're saying that, you're, you're, you're pretty much saying Bob Stoops is a fool. Because Bob Stoops felt the need to step down so you could keep the guy on campus. And now all of a sudden he leaves and, oh, we just need a guy who gets Oklahoma. We need a guy with Oklahoma ties. What the hell is that? OU fans had to have been embarrassed when Brent Venables went up there at his first press conference. This hokey guy. He's going up there during a transfer portal NIL situation saying, you know, if we just want guys who are going to commit and then not take a... Uh, not take visits. We want you to be a sooner. You know how this works, bro? You know how this works? Look at that defense. Oklahoma's in trouble. This is going to be hard to get over. I don't know if Sark's going to be the man. I don't know if Sark's going to end up being the answer. There's a lot of reason for skepticism. If he loses this game this week, you're going to hear me. It's going to go zero to 100 real quick. I'm going to be real down on Steve Sarkeesian. Real down on Steve Sarkeesian. But it ain't near as bad as what they did at Oklahoma with Venables. I'm sorry. That was, that was one of the worst hires that I can remember in recent Big 12 history. It's up there with the Charlie Strong hire. I'm not even going to fault the Tom Herman hire because LSU wanted to do it too. Didn't go well. 
What a turd he was. But this was a bad hire. They should have done better. And I think they could have done better. And if Steve Sarkeesian loses this and gives that program life, it'll be one of the most costly losses that Texas has had in the last five years. Because it's, it's very rarely happened. Maybe once, twice in my lifetime of going to these games. I've been to probably 20 of these games going back to the 90s. And I'll, I'll go post-stoops where it really mattered. There have been very few times, very, very few times where you can say Texas has a chance to bury Oklahoma. Give them three losses in a very tough Big 12. Right off the top, you got to get that done, especially with what's ahead of you. Because if you win this one, you got to expect to beat Iowa State in Austin. That gets you to five and three. Big 12 teams are going to beat up on each other. You got a game in Stillwater against Oklahoma State. Who knows how they're feeling? They're going to have TCU before that. You got Kansas State. Then you get TCU. Then you get Kansas. And then you get Baylor. Must win. No questions asked. Absolute must win for Steve Sarkeesian. Thoughts on the West Virginia game? It was a weird watch. Kind of liked what I saw, but I also kind of felt like there was a little bit of meat left on the bone, which is actually a good feeling because when Texas is winning by three possessions and you feel like they're leaving some meat on the bone, that's a feeling that that's a good feeling to have. That tells you that the talent level is getting better. Uh, that tells you that um, maybe they're further along than they've been in recent years, but there was still some sloppy stuff going on. I think the box score will tell you that uh, Card played good. I don't think he played very well. Uh, I, I think that's one of those, if you actually watch the game, it didn't. It, it wasn't as good as the box score uh, said. Still some holes in the defense. Felt like West Virginia was... Dropping some passes. Now, I know Texas dropped a couple of interceptions, but a dub is a dub. Don't apologize for winning by 18 points. Uh, just felt like it could have been a little tighter. Probably a, a coachable win for the staff heading into this Oklahoma game, uh, which I don't think there's any way that they don't get up for. Uh, I'm, I'm probably setting myself up to where Texas loses and I look like an idiot. It's happened before. But I, if that happens, then Steve Sarkeesian's got some serious problems. He's got some serious, serious, serious problems if he doesn't smell blood and can't pounce on Oklahoma. No matter who plays quarterback, no matter who plays any position, he's got to get this one done. I absolutely love this game. It's probably when it comes to my sporting events and my memories – the Red River Shootout, and I'm calling it the shootout. Y'all can call it the showdown. It's the Red River Shootout, always going to be. Red River Shootout just holds such a close place in my heart. Everything about it. Going to the fair, the food before. I have a whole routine uh, that I followed. The fact that my father wouldn't let me leave early during any of the stoops, stoops assings. I remember having to stay and seeing Texas fight so many times when it was just such a beatdown. Remember the Quentin Griffin shotgun handoffs? 
uh, when they figured that out. Just a simple play, snap it back to the quarterback, handout, handoff, boom, all those touchdowns. Uh, Nate Hibble coming in, doing his thing. The Jason White years, the one struggle, the 12 nothing. I think Vince's sophomore year <clears throat> before that. Uh, major, the comeback, uh, where my boy Ryan Nunez, good old number 22, little throwback uh, with a couple of touchdowns. Uh, first memory, Stoney Clark, the tackle at the one-yard line. This game means a lot. And if Steve Sarkeesian can win this game, I know you're going to look at it and say, well, they beat a, you know, it will be a three-loss Oklahoma team. What's what's it really matter? I think this means a lot. I think this means a lot. Because if you win the Big 12, that's that's a hell of an accomplishment this year. It's a damn good conference. I know it's not going to get SEC respect, and I don't think it should, but... The Big 12 this year, this is the first year in a while that there's not an overwhelming, like there's not a really, really bad team. Now, there's some teams that are better than others. And there's some teams that are maybe really good. Uh, TCU, although they're only like a seven-point favorite over Kansas, which I think is interesting. TCU has potential to be real good. Oklahoma State, pretty good team. Could be real good. But there's no, like, real bad squad in here. You look around the conference, and I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but going to Stillwater against Oklahoma State, if Oklahoma State can beat TCU and win this week, and Texas can handle their business against OU and Iowa State, I mean, you're talking about probably a ranked Texas team at that point because we're looking at 5-2 and two or whatever. And then you're looking at an Oklahoma State team that's probably in the top five, maybe in the top four at that point. There's seven right now. So that would mean that they beat TCU, and then you go to Oklahoma State, biggest game of the Sark era. But it all starts with this game against Oklahoma. Kansas State's an interesting squad. I was talking to my buddy the other day about, you know, just how bad Scott Frost looks and how bad things went in Nebraska the fact Martinez is looking like he looks at Kansas State is incredible. And it makes Scott Frost one of the worst coaches in recent history uh, and one of the biggest disappointments. It makes him look even worse. And I think Kansas State, like, and you, you guys can help me out on this. How many... Big 12 backfields, I'm talking quarterback and running back, have had more explosiveness than Martinez and Vaughn. I can think back to L. Roberson and Darren Sproles, uh, Vince with whoever. But as far as just home run explosion, because Vincent said early on were nice, but Cedric Vincent was one, kind of one of those power backs. Now, when Vince was back there with Jamal Charles or Ramon's Taylor, you had that, but those guys were never really... They weren't full-time backs with Vince, so you didn't really get it. But as far as just like explosive Big 12 backfields, quarterback and running back, Martinez and Deuce Vaughn, who can just take off for 40 any given time, 
they got to be up there in the top five. I know RG3 had Ganaway or whoever his running back was, but as far as just explosive, this guy's about to pop off 40. It's a small sample size, but it's about as explosive as it gets. TCU, you look at that speed, man. Again, I am shocked that they're only a seven-point favorite against Kansas. Seems like something's up there. And props to Kansas for being uh, 5-0. and oh. Although, if I were betting, I don't think they win over seven. And if they win seven, I still think uh, the coach deserves coach of the year. They've done a hell of a job. Uh, but they've gotten a, the easy part of this conference schedule out of the way, and it's it's going to get way more difficult for Kansas starting this week against TCU. Baylor's interesting. Baylor's a team that can lose to anybody and beat anybody, and I think the game has to go a certain way, and now all of a sudden they're going for it on their own 10 and stuff. It's a weird, weird situation uh, in Baylor, kind of coming down to earth a little bit. Coach Aranda uh, coming off you know the worst of first season, but it's a wild, wild, wild Big 12. And you can just put Oklahoma in the rear view. Notice I didn't even mention Oklahoma. They should be a speed bump for you before you get to everything I just laid out. Oklahoma right now, and I know this is going to be marked, and I know I'm setting myself up for failure with Oklahoma. Oklahoma is not even the salad or the soup when it comes to trying to eat in the Big 12 right now. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Oklahoma's the bread. And it's not even like saltgrass bread. It's not red lobster rolls. Oklahoma's like the, the, the bread. Just basic bread. Get that out of the way and get to the salad and soup. And then bring me my entree. That's what it should be. And if it's not, Steve Sarkeesian's got a problem. Got a serious problem. Oh... <laughs> uh. I'm already sensing that this is going to be revisited. This is going to be like old take. This is how I feel, though. Normally, leading up to this game, I'm a wreck. Remember having to go to school five days before this. Texas OU week. Remember all that false hope? All the millennials out there that grew up going to this game? Remember all the times you had to go to school on a Monday because Chris Sims let you down, made you look silly? I remember I had to wear my Chris Sims jersey to school a couple of times after this game. Man, you felt stupid. Walking out of that stadium with your tail between your legs, you're, me and my dad are like two of the only people left in the stands because all the orange is left to go enjoy the fair. 
through those assings. Walk out of that stadium feeling stupid. Don't even want to make eye contact with an Oklahoma person. And get that horns down. Some Chris Sims trash talk. I don't think I felt this good about a Texas OU game in a long time. There's been some times where they surprised me. But as far as just my overall feeling, this is a chance to bury Oklahoma. You better take advantage of it. I have a couple of takes about this rivalry that I don't think too many people talk about. But if you look at some of like the, the most memorable moments, what's the first thing you see whenever they run the highlights of this game? At least, at least the recent highlights, not the old school highlights. What's one of the first things you see? You see that Roy Williams... Superman play right into the hands of Teddy Lehman. I was sitting in that end zone. I actually think that play is overrated. And it's not because it wasn't a great play by Roy Williams. Roy Williams was an absolute monster. I mean, he's, he's one of the best, most intimidating Sooners in the recent history of this rivalry that I can remember. And there were a lot of them. Tommy Harris, I still have nightmares thinking about Tommy Harris. Teddy Lehman. There have been some dogs in this rivalry. Adrian Peterson. But was Chris Sims really going to go 90-plus at the end of a game? Like, did Roy Williams actually kind of bail Chris Sims out? Because now we look at that game and it's like, oh, Roy Williams saves the day and Oklahoma ends up winning. Did you watch Chris Sims in that game? He was pissing his pants. There was zero chance Chris Sims was going to drive down the field. So Roy Williams, as great as that play was, I'm sure there's a lot of Sooner fans that have that poster in their living room. Chris Sims wasn't going to do nothing, if we're being honest. Like I, Nobody was watching that game saying, oh, this is it for Chris Sims. He was fried. He was toasted in that game. Toasted. He was done. Still a good play, though. Just don't think it was as significant as anyone thinks. I think that was the difference between a, a three and out or another interception for Chris Sims and a good play. I actually think, in a way, uh, Roy Williams might have bailed out Chris Sims. I'll never forget the uh, – the Vince Young stretch of this rivalry, because that was where you kind of started getting a feeling that, you know, maybe there's some sort of hope and maybe there's some sort of savior coming. That's going to save the day uh, with Vince. And that was when you could breathe early. That was when every statistic was Mac Brown versus Bob Stoops. And that was the whole buildup. And I remember Vince's first year, there was a lot of anticipation because I believe, I believe it was against Kansas state. Uh, Vince had, come in, save the day, but he hurt his ankle. And there was just a lot of talk about, oh, is Vince going to start or is it going to be Chance Mock? What are they going to do? They ended up going with Chance Mock because they were scared. And they brought Vince in. And I'll never forget, this is probably one of the bigger momentum swings that I can remember uh, in this game. It ended up being another beatdown uh, from Oklahoma, just another throttle session from Oklahoma. Another one I had to sit through with my pops. But I'll, I'll never forget when 
Vince Young came in. He had that long run. Might have been the longest run of his. It was one of the longer runs of his career, but he comes in, he runs, and the entire stadium is just going crazy. And you can just see around the stadium. You can see all the Texas fans. You're high-fiving your fa- uh, your, the fans in your section. You're getting excited. You can see OU fans just kind of sitting there like, holy crap, who is this guy? Is this guy going to come save the day? <laughs> Gets down to the five-yard line after that run. Tries to get in the goal line. You guys all remember this. Boom! Knocks it out. Someone knocks it out of his hand. Don't remember who it was. And then OU just scoops and scores for like 90 plus. And it was just like a complete flop. Then it was just a complete throttle. And Vince was getting welcome to the rivalry. But you left that game and you kind of you kind of found yourself thinking, okay, maybe they got something with Vince. Maybe something's going to go down with Vince. And there was a lot of hope. And you go to that next year. I remember that year. I, I I don't remember how, but somehow I saved up a lot of money. That's the most that I've ever spent on a ticket to the game. My father couldn't go for some reason. I went with my boy, Corey. And I had the best seats that I'd had. And that was that 12-0, just slow death uh, game. I think it was 12-0. Defense did everything they could do to win. Greg Davis, the offense, they just did nothing. It was still a very young team. Ended up beating Michigan that year in the Rose Bowl. But you kind of felt like, okay, they're going to figure this out. We're going we're gonna to see something good happen here uh, with the Horns. And then, of course, Vince's junior year, you have just the complete throttling of OU, and it was just a sigh of relief. Jamal Charles, spin run, Brian Robinson lays out Rhett Bomar. You had Ramont Taylor early in the game catching the fade. That was just like the, the, the entire like welcome to the rivalry game of, of Vince Young was incredible. Just when you look at that one moment, the humbling by Oklahoma, somewhat of a humbling in Vince Young getting shut out. That might have been the only time Vince ever got shut out. I know there were, yeah, I, I want to say it was uh, in that game and then the throttle. And then you had Colt, who actually had a lot of success against Oklahoma, 55-45. Uh, we all remember that one when Oklahoma got the nod over Texas, which, by the way, I actually thought that Oklahoma deserved the nod despite losing to Texas just because I thought Oklahoma was the better team. I know that's, I mean, that would be hard for a lot of Texas fans to say, but I, I truly felt that way at the time, and I feel that way now. Um the fact that Texas Tech didn't even belong on the same field with Oklahoma, uh, that's that's what impacted Texas. If if Texas Tech, who beat Texas that year, man, the Big 12 was stacked. We talk about the Big 12 now. That was when the Big 12 was elite. Uh, but the Crabtree play, Texas Tech not belonging on the field against Oklahoma, uh, that really screwed Texas. But I thought Oklahoma deserved the nod, and that was a hell of a game. That was incredible um, that year. That might That might have been the best one that I've ever been to. And there's been some good ones. And then we have the fluke case McCoy. Don't know how they won that. Uh, and the Gerard heard, uh, and it's kind of been back and forth last year. I thought was probably Sark's worst coaching job, uh, in that Oklahoma game. He completely contradicted the all gas, no breaks mentality that you always hear him talk about. 
the end of that first half, if you go back and watch the end of that first half, they decided to throw the ball on, I think it was a second and 18. They get down inside the 30, and then they're not overly aggressive. Uh, you could tell that Caleb Williams, now the USC quarterback, was going to have his way with the Texas defense. And Stark settling for three there, I think it kind of sent a, a bad message to the team. And much like he has for the large majority uh, of his career, he was unable to adjust. The good news for Sark, though, is it doesn't mean anything because there's a new coach, there's a new quarterback, there's a lot of new players. So it's something that maybe he can use his motivation and build on. But I thought last year was, was one of the more gutless uh, end-of-half displays that I've seen from Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, and did I already mention he's got to win this game? I think I've mentioned that like 30 times now in the podcast. Favorite thing to do when I go to Texas OU? You've got to start drinking at like eight, at least, maybe seven. If, if, you, if you're still a drinker, you go there, you've got to get the draft beer. Best draft beer, cheapest draft beer, by the way, is in the food court tent. If you just hug around the stadium, the food court tent, the back right and the back left, the two corners where you enter, where the restrooms are, opposite from the barbecue right there, that's where the cheapest beer is. I want to say it's like four bucks. Maybe it's inflated, but that's where the cheapest beer is. You get your two, sit in line, figure that out. That's the go-to. I've got to get those Texas nachos too uh, in that food court. They're just normal concession stand type nachos, but that's been something I've gotten my whole life. The, te the Texas chip nachos, beans, the cheese, the sour cream, the salsa, got to get that. Got to get the Fletcher's corn dog when you first walk in. That's a must. And the other thing, and this is probably one of the most important things that you that you have to do when you go there, and any rookie, this, this is where you get in trouble. Uh, I was talking to uh, I was talking to DP Sadu, who works for the Houston Texans. Her son is a freshman at the University of Texas, supposedly loving it. I think he's going to go to his first Texas OU game this year. You got to buy your tickets when you first go in. Your fair tickets. Not your game tickets. You're already going to have that. But as soon as you walk into that fair, you've got to buy the tickets. Because once you get in there, it's going to be like a Black Friday line. You got to get those tickets. And then you're good. It's about $50, $20 worth, $30, whatever. Cruise around. Get your grub. Get ready to go in. And it'll be good. Love this game. Almost talking myself into going. I'm going to be in town. Don't know if I'm going to go or not. Thinking about it. Be all eyes on that. You got to do that. The uh, There's also like a whole coconut drink that I've discovered where if you sneak some rum in, I'm not encouraging that, but if you if you do, the whole coconut tent in that food court area kind of in the back right it's like an italian ice thing they'll give you a whole coconut it's the best victory drink if you're up there but i just love this game you can also park in people's yards that's the other thing that i think is important uh some people are always skeptical about parking in yards um it's very safe and a lot of those people that's how they get like their christmas money 
and they'll they'll watch your car like crazy. I mean, I mean, it's it's something they do all the time. But whatever street that is, where like the Walgreens is and everything, like at the main fair entrance, those yards over there on the other side, like right past the uh, the grocery store to the right, you park in those yards. They'll look out for you. They'll wave you in, and and that's a big part of their income. It's almost like the uh, the people who sell fried food. They they make money off of that. It's always cool. It's always been nice. Uh, and it's going to uh, to them and whatever they decide to do. And they just stay out there and look at your car. It's a great time. It's a great event. Uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, the fair went away for a while, but it's back. I anticipate it's going to be popping. Uh, and this rivalry means a lot. Uh, it's got to mean a lot for Sark because it's it's a chance to Oklahoma, for Oklahoma to either have life and be revived and start filling Brent Venables and Texas fans to question Sark or it's a chance for Texas during what looks like the soft part of the Big 12 schedule, Oklahoma and then Iowa State, to get ready for a massive game against Oklahoma State and get in the mix of one of the best conferences in college football. Don't let anyone tell you different. This Big 12 is stacked. Top to bottom, it's actually it's absolutely stacked. Stacked. Can't wait. Texas, Oklahoma. Don't care whether the teams are ranked or not. This is a special game means a lot to uh, everyone, and it's just a fun time. Always fun. Always enjoy Oklahoma fans, too. They know how to talk trash. They know how to have fun. They know how to party. A lot of them are from the state of Texas. They're knowledgeable. They're fun. Uh, like to troll, but it's all love from me. I got nothing but love uh, for the Sooners and nothing but respect and admiration for everyone from Barry Switzer to Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley, even though he's a turd. Uh, not much respect for Brent Venables, though. Don't think much of him. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. Fun, cool story. I'm, I'm going to end this one on, on a cool story. So I cover the Houston Texans. If you don't have the Odyssey app, uh, fire it up. In the loop on Sports Radio 610, the best radio shows uh, in the city of Houston. I cover the Texans and I go in the locker room after ball games. And I was, I, I like to talk to the players like after you kind of do the interview stuff uh, and just kind of talk to them about their college squad. It's like my favorite thing to do because college football is one of my passions. So I was talking to Garrett Wallow, the linebacker slash former TCU safety slash linebacker, uh, just about the Horn Frogs. Um, and I was talking to Garrett and I was like, man, you think y'all are for real? Like, how real is is TCU? You think you guys got something? Like, is this is this like a national champion contender type thing? Like, what do we got? He was kind of downplaying it, but he he did say they're for real. He feels good about him. He wants to go check him out during the bye week, uh, and, and he likes what he sees. And I asked him about Gary Patterson, who we all know is now at Texas, uh, former TCU coach, one of the best coaches in the history of the Big Twelve. And I just asked him, I said, yeah, how weird is that for you? You know, GPs at Texas, I'm sure you didn't have much love for Texas. Uh, what is that like? And Garrett said that, you know, he finds himself pulling for Texas when they're not playing uh, TCU. And he said, I said, well, how much impact do you think he's having on the defense? Because it seems like, although there's kind of some holes, it does seem kind of like, especially against Alabama, that that was a Gary Patterson defense. Like that just looked, I mean, we saw it like, and we've seen it and we've experienced, we've been on the wrong side of things uh, with that. What, what, what do you think about like the impact he's having on the defense? 
And Garrett told me, he was like, man, I'm telling you, I was watching that Alabama game and it was almost like a, a film session back in my TCU days. I, that they were running stuff that we used to run. Some of those calls, some of those disguises were the exact same stuff we used to do every day in practice. Uh, he brought up the Watts blitz uh, where uh, Watts missed <clears throat> Bryce Young and Alabama ended up uh, taking the lead. But he said, man, that one was identical. He even gave me the name. I don't remember what the name was, but it was like, yeah, that's definitely Gary Patterson's defense. So you can tell that he's kind of having that impact. So I just thought that was kind of cool. Uh, to hear that from someone who played for Gary Patterson, uh, talking about the the blitz and all that type of stuff. So that's just a little locker room tale uh, in the locker room. See what I did there. Uh, Landry Locker uh, with you. 41 Acres drops every Wednesday. Uh, YouTube channel. Uh, be sure to subscribe to that. Uh, follow on Twitter at Landry Locker. Instagram at Landry Locker. Fire up the Odyssey app uh, if you don't mind, and let's get it going. And there's all the... Uh, self-promotion that I need, but the biggest, most important form of promoting today and for the remainder of the week is the Red River Shootout. Call it the showdown if you want. Call it what you want to call it. Call it Texas OU. Call it OU Texas. Who cares? But we can all agree this game is awesome. It's incredible. It's an opportunity for both coaches to build some momentum with their programs. Oklahoma hanging on for dear life. Steve Sarkeesian needs to step on Brent Venable's foot and let him come tumbling down to the bottom of the Big 12. Will he do it? Hope so. Hope next week we're talking about a dub, looking ahead uh, to Iowa State. But you never know in this game. Sometimes when you expect it, it doesn't happen. When you don't expect it, you get surprised in case McCoy is putting that damn hat on. Who knows? Going to be fun. Can't wait. One of the most magical times of the year. If you're going to the game, enjoy the hell out of it. Get out there early. And have some fun. If you're watching it on TV, enjoy it however you want to do that as well. It's one of the most wonderful weeks of the year. It means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to you. Till next time, talk to you later. This has been the 41 Acres. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.